Have a seat if you guys would. I am uh, I'm really excited about this message this morning, um, mostly because it's really been impacting to me. The, the benefit that I get as, as the guy who gets to come up and, and teach is that I've been wrestling with this all week, and the, and the things that God has done in me this week through wrestling with this stuff is just... It's really good. Uh, really excited what God has has done to me, and I was reminded of kind of the direction we're going by the last verse of "Come Thou Fount." Throw it up there, Ben. Um, I think that uh, we we do a there we go. We do a really good job as a church of connecting with this from a salvation standpoint, right? But I, I want I want to read this. O oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We apply that idea, that notion, to our lives. But I think there's truth in there as we come to prayer. Read that verse again thinking of it in relation to how we pray. As we pray, when we pray, why we pray. The prayers themselves owe to grace how great a debtor. As I pray, I'm a debtor to grace. Because I don't do it right. I don't know how to do it. I'm prone to wander. Confess. It's rare for me. My initial prayer is not wandering. I'm, my, I'm, I'm glad if I get 30 seconds of focused prayer before I'm thinking about something. Do we come to prayer with a full knowledge of the gospel, with a full knowledge of our indebtedness to grace? We are indebted to grace even as we pray, why we pray, how we pray, what we pray, all of those things. Let that notion, that idea that our indebtedness to the gospel and to to grace mark and form and guide our prayers and and our thoughts this morning. Let's, Let's pray again. God, I thank you this morning for your grace. I thank you for realized weakness, Father. God, I pray that you would draw us in, make us aware of our weakness, and that your strength might rise from that weakness, God. God, we fully understand our weakness in so many ways, but but my heart is usually not aware of, of weakness in prayer, God, and my, the depth of my need for the gospel as I pray, God. God, would you meet us here this morning? We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. So the gospel, we've said this many times, but kind of nailing down, honing in the gospel to this idea, we are more sinful than we could ever know. 
and we are more loved and accepted than we could ever imagine. That is, there, there's, there's a lot more to the gospel, but if we boil it down to, to just two sentences, that's it. We are more sinful than we could ever know, and we're more loved and accepted than we could ever imagine. That encapsulates and, and forms kind of the, the basis of the gospel. And so I want that idea to paint the rest of our time this morning as we think about prayer. So the gospel as it applies to prayer is this. We are helpless. I'm going to talk about that a lot this morning. Most of what we talk about is when we come to God, we come to God well when we're aware of our helplessness. And it is that awareness, that realized helplessness that guides us into our prayers. So we are helpless. In the gospel applied to prayer, we are helpless or sinful. Then next, he is Father or accepting. As we come to God, we have to understand our sin and we have to understand our acceptance. And he is Father. Most of the time in Scripture, when Jesus himself prays, his first words are, Father. Crying out to Dad. And that's important for us to understand. And so I want this morning to be like this. Prayer helping to illuminate the gospel, and then gospel helping to illuminate prayer, and they'll feed on one another, and that's where we'll kind of go this morning. I'm going to quote a guy named Paul Miller a lot. You've heard me mention a book called A Praying Life. If you don't have it, please get it. It's unbelievable. It's fantastic, and I'm going to quote a lot from it this morning. In that book, he says, Paul Miller says this, in prayer, the Father receives us as we are. I want to stop for a second. Just think about that. In prayer, the Father receives you as you are. Look up at me, because this is the gospel applied to prayer. In prayer, God receives you as you are. Not with eloquence, not with perfection, not with some these and thous, or, or not with purity of heart even. God accepts you as you are because of Jesus and gives us the gift of his help. We look at the inadequacy of our praying and give up. I'm your pastor. I raise my hand and say I have felt the inadequacy and the, the confusion and the whatever of prayer and just plain stopped. We look at the inadequacy of our praying and give up and think something is wrong with us. God looks at the adequacy of his son and delights in our sloppy, meandering prayers. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Bind my wandering heart to you. Bind my wandering prayers to you. This morning is a success if we walk out of this door fully aware that we are stupid in what we pray for, but fully aware that God calls us to be stupid in what we pray for. He just wants you. Paul Miller also says this, a praying life happens 
when you see that life is too much for you and the pieces do not, simply do not add up unless God is active in all the details of your life. The pieces of your life just don't add up unless God is active in those details. And that is what takes us off of our, gets us out of our chair and under our knees, praying for God to come to us. We're going to be all over Scripture this morning. You can try and follow along with us or not. The verses will be on the screen. So I want to deal with these two concepts. We are helpless or sinful, and God is Father, or he is accepting of us. First, Colossians 2.6. This is a beautiful verse. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did you receive Jesus? What, what was going on in you when you received Jesus? Probably something like, I'm weak, I'm inadequate, I can't do this, I'm helpless. Those sort of things in your mind when you receive Jesus. So walk in them. How many times do we pray with this notion? Walk, part of walking in him is praying. So as you receive Jesus in your weakness and your helplessness and your I can't do this and I'm no good, walk in that. Do that. Um, Cooper loves baseball. I love baseball. I love to teach. I teach Cooper how to feel the ground ball. When he first started doing it, he didn't do it right. It was terrible. And what was my response as a dad to his helplessness? Was that it? No, it wasn't. It was, let me teach you, son. Let me, I want to show you how to do this. You want to do this well, and I want to show you how to do it well. Get on the balls of your feet. Bend those knees good. Get your hand on the ground. Taught him those things. Next time we go out, I hit him a ground ball. Not, it doesn't do it right. Over and over again. And all I want to do is teach him. And all he wants to do is, is learn. Our, our helplessness draws the Lord. Paul Miller also says this. The gospel, God's free gift of grace in Jesus, only works when we realize that we don't have it all together. That's Colossians 2.6. Prayer, walking in him, any of the things we're commanded to do, only work when we realize that we can't do it, when we have weakness. Colossians 2.6, we come empty-handed to Jesus, asking for salvation. In prayer now, we come empty-handed to Jesus, asking for him to save us. You offer nothing to Jesus because prayer is not about your circumstances. It's not about foremost at the heart of prayer. It's about abiding, connecting with a holy and perfect God, communing with him. And in order to do that, we must come fully aware of our emptiness. Matthew eleven twenty eight, familiar verse. But let's think about it in relation to prayer. Come to me, 
all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's take out what appears in the commas, and this is Jesus talking to you about prayer. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. Do you know that this is Jesus speaking? This isn't anything other than Jesus speaking. Take out the commas. What appears parenthetically there. Jesus saying to you, come to me and I'll give you rest. This is what prayer is about. This is what communing, abiding with God is about. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Now let's look at what it says in the commas. Does it say... Come to me, all who are focused and undistracted in your prayers. Jesus is calling you what, to, to lay at his feet your cares, your labors, your inefficiencies, your ineffectiveness, your whatever. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Again, so many times we look at these verses from a perspective of of salvation. Let's look at these verses from a perspective of doing the Christian life, of prayer. Look at these verses in relation to prayer. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You getting the message yet? Prayer is not about eloquence. It's not about on point. It's about you coming to God weak. John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood out, stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Just stop. Think. Jesus, standing before you, if you're thirsty, come to me. I'll give you a drink. Jesus is drawn to those who realize their need. Who are the ones in this setting who got a drink from Jesus? The ones who realized they were thirsty and the ones who stood up and walked to him. When you find your weakness, you find me, Jesus says, and I become your strength and your rest. This is the gospel in prayer. Jesus is closest to, to you 
when you realize that you cannot. Say that again. Jesus is closest to you when you realize that you cannot. Man, that is, that is truth that we apply to the cross, and it stops there most of the time for us. But it applies to every aspect of our lives. In your marriage, Jesus is closest to you when you realize that you cannot. In prayer, Jesus is closest to you when you realize that you cannot. In rebuilding relationships that are damaged, Jesus is closest to you when you realize that you cannot. In everything, in your job, in your parenting, in your friendships, in your serving your church, in your serving your community, Jesus is close to you when you realize that you cannot. This is the gospel. This is the gospel in prayer. The second half of the gospel is we are fully aware that Jesus is loving and accepting of us. He is our Father. You are fully accepted by God. You are his child. Ephesians 1.5. He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. There's some theology there. We're not going to talk about predestination this morning. The word I want to zero in on is adoption. You are adopted through Jesus Christ. You are a child of the king. He loves you. Go back to me teaching Cooper about feeling a ground ball. Go back to a Let's do another illustration. I was teaching my children. We, we wrote Colossians 2.6 up on a, a dry erase board that's new in our house and wrote it up there, and we started to talk about it. The, the, the five of us were sitting there talking about it. And what does this mean? What's going on? What's happening in this verse? And they just like, the first couple of things I said were a little bit right, but they were mostly based in like religion and, and action and doing things for God. They got it wrong. They didn't understand the verse. And as a father to them, I wanted to guide them to the truth. I didn't, oh, you got it wrong, you're done. I'm going to erase the, the dry erase board and we're finished with that. I didn't do that. I, I, I shaped, I, I walked with them. I helped them to understand, illuminated this verse to them. And this is the father for us as we pray. When we get it wrong, he doesn't push us away. He doesn't close the door. He doesn't erase the dry erase board. He doesn't erase our prayers. He teaches us. He guides us. He molds us. He shapes us because he's our father. Do you realize when you pray that you're praying to someone who is your father, who wants only the best for you? And that's a, in this culture, that's, a, that's a, sometimes a hard metaphor. I know some of your stories. I know some, some of your stories with your fathers. When you say God is a father, that's like, no thank you. But this is God, the perfect father. Everything that you wanted in your earthly dad that you may or may not have gotten, 
God possesses and wants to give to you. He wants to nurture you. He wants to shape you. He wants to teach you. He wants to, to pick you up in your failures, in your brokenness. He wants to put that back together. He wants to show you your weakness so that he can teach you and show you his strength. He wants to protect and provide for you. He wants to be your dad. And we have to apply this knowledge to how and why and the way and everything about our prayer. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. I need you to know that in all matters, at any time, you have an audience in God. In all matters, prayer included, you have an audience with God. At any time, in the midst of sin, in the midst of sin, you have an audience with God. You have peace with God. That's what Romans 5.1 is teaching us. Because we have been justified by our faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of our faith, we have an audience with God every time, at all times. For me, when I wrestle, when I struggle with the sin that easily entangles me, many times I don't come to God because I'm not aware of the truth of the fatherhood of God. I'm aware of my sin. I'm aware of my brokenness. And that keeps me from going to the Father. That keeps me from prayer. Or it keeps my prayers self-centered or, or distracted or meandering. I need you to know that in all matters, including prayer, at all times, even in the midst of sin, God welcomes us into his presence. Anger, fear, confusion, hopelessness, joy, hurt. At all those times, Jesus welcomes you into his presence. 1 Peter 1.4 To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. This inheritance as adoption, this truth that we hold to, that we cling to, Here's what God says about it. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. This is your Father speaking to you. What I have for you, what I've secured for you, is imperishable. It's undefiled. You can't defile it. It's unfading. There is security in the relationship between you and God. Do we apply that to our prayer life? There is security in your relationship. John 6, 37. Jesus speaking again here. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Rise up and go to the Father. Jesus speaking to you. All that the Father has given to me, and he's given you to Jesus. I will never cast out. Take courage. 
Here's a beautiful verse. Simple and perfect. 2 Corinthians 6, 18. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me. Why would you, why would you not come to Jesus? Listen to what he's saying to you. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me. Man, I think about my relationship with my children and all that I long to be as a dad to them and my failures as a dad to them. I think about my relationship with my dad. Think about your relationships with your dads. Think about Rick Nyhoff and his story. Think about my bride and her story. God says to you, I'll be your father. What a holy and loving and perfect God who wants to protect and guide and nurture you says to you, I'll be your father. Why would you ever be fearful of doing it wrong? The Lord of all creation says to you, I'll be your father. Martin Luther, in response to this verse, says this. I give thanks for his infinite compassion by which he has come to me in such a fatherly way. An unasked, unbidden, unmerited has offered to be my God. I was struck by that, by that statement, by that phrase. God has offered to be your God. Here's my offer. I will be your God. To care for me. To be my comfort, my guardian, my help, and strength in every time of need. This is your God. This is your God. He offers to be your God in every time of need. And this is prayer. Our simple response to that. Does this just make you want to just be with this this God? Just want to be with him. I want to think about him. I want to read his word. I want to be nurtured by him. I want to stop stressing over silly, stupid things. It makes me focus in on who he is. The last thing this morning, Paul Miller says, Many people struggle to pray because they're focusing on praying 
and not on God. Your weakness combined with his acceptance of you in your weakness bids you to come and pray. You can't do it wrong. You're incapable. Let's pray. God, I... I submit to you in this moment. God, I'm filled with weakness. Lord, I pray that you would meet with us. God, I pray that we would be satisfied only with you. That we would come to you in this moment fully aware of our weakness and fully aware of your provision, your acceptance. God, I pray that our prayer lives would reflect the gospel. The gospel would shine a light on our prayer lives, Father. And we would come to you as weak and helpless children. God, I pray that you would take something of the mess of ourselves. We would come to you. God, I see your son speaking to my heart. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Because of what I've done, you have peace with my father. Lord, guide us, shape us. Dwell with us. Help us to know how to respond to you this morning. Thank you for Jesus. Oh, how we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.